the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy Tuesday, 6.05, Tuesday evening, and we have a full studio here. I got my man Alex. He's sitting back there. He's going to work the phones for us a little bit because we got some special guests coming on. We got uh, Joni, who uh, has her own theme song here on the uh, Arthur Idola Power Hour. Yeah, Joni, because I have like 40 pieces of paper with our handwriting all over it with... 40 different topics. She thinks this is like I'm doing Piscopo like I did yesterday. Um, and I have four hours to speak as opposed to one hour to speak. But most importantly, speaking of Piscopo, a man who has been here all day preparing for tomorrow's show and happens to be in the room, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Joe Sibeli. Uh, hello, Arthur. How are you? It is wonderful having all of these great people around and... You know, it, it, n- you would not be hearing my voice if it wasn't for a very handsome Matt Sambolino behind the, uh, what are you behind? I'm the board? Behind the console. Behind the console. The console. Um, just since Alex is here and we have we have an extra set of hands, if anyone wants to call in and talk about Will Smith, wants to talk about how many drinks is too many drinks for your heart, which we're going to talk about. We want to talk about the fourth booster shot. We want to talk about whether uh, Justice Clarence Thomas needs to recuse himself from any Trump-related uh, White House Trump White House related um, cases that come before him due to his wife's involvement. Give us a call at 877-970-2999. I'm assuming on a Tuesday there's going to be some legitimate traffic while we all freeze outside. So while you're there, if you want to pass some time and talk to me, or maybe you want to talk to Joe Sibelia and talk to him what it's like uh, uh, being the executive producer of the Joe Piscopo Show, or what it's like being exceedingly handsome at 26 with a big uh, bunch of red hair. Now you're just being very kind. Well, I mean, so 877-970-2999. You know, we have some open phone lines here. We'll try to take your calls. Uh, I know most of you prefer to text me or email me at arthur at abklawnyc.com. Um, so I, I, as much as I like to do like new news, uh, from what you've been hearing all day long, uh, it, it's, you go on every website, it's the lead story is still Will Smith and Chris Rock, which I guess, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing. Does that mean that there's nothing more important going on or we just want to put our heads in the sand about other more important things than, than what is going on? I will tell you that Mayor Adams today was a little annoyed about, um, I think he's frustrated 
with what's going on in the city and how the recovery, both economically from the coronavirus, both with the, uh, additionally with the homeless uh, situation and with crime. And I think you could hear his frustration. Let's roll with clip one. I must bring back the sense of you can't do whatever you want in our subway system that has fed to criminal behavior in our subway system. A person should not be sexually assaulted on our system. They should not be robbed. They should not be slashed. They should not be pushed to the subway tracks. But we ignored it over these years. So, and I mean, here's the interesting part. When Mayor Adams says we've ignored basically enforcing the law over these years, um, you know, crime was the lowest, I believe, in, in 2016 or 2017. And then, you know, then it starts creeping up. But I, he is correct that a a vibe of pervasiveness and permissiveness uh, has entered into the this, our society. And look, I'm going to tell you what happened about 45 minutes ago on my way down here. I was uh, uptown. Uh, I, I was actually at the Friars Club working on... Uh, um, Joseph Billy's big deal because he's uh, now a big shot over at the Friars Club. He's in charge of the Friars Club podcast, which is really it's going to push Joe Rogan and uh, the the Daily by the New York Times to the wayside. And, and he something his, like that. His initial interview with Rich Little is really going to take over the air, the podcasting airwaves. Is that is that your <laughs> premiere? Uh, is that your premiere? Uh, I don't know if it'll be the premiere, but that was the first one we taped. We have a biggie. I won't say who, but okay. this is in the works, and uh, it's a, an entertainment icon, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. I mean, like, I know you have to give Piscopo, you know, all your heart and soul, but you think you can give the Idola Power Hour the exclusive of who the, the, the an exclusive announcement of who's going to be the big guest? Uh, on you the know, podcast? I, I, I will, but I'd rather wait till we have. It no, no, I don't. I don't want. OK, I'm not asking you to do it now. But I yeah. Once it's in the, in the can. I'll, but listen, I'll I, I don't want you to upset Mr. Piscopo because no, you know, no, he, no. He, he's the one. He's the straw that stirs the drink. But here's what happened. So I'm, I'm on the uh, the platform. And I actually got a, I had to take a phone call because um, in some personal breaking news, not, it's not that personal, but my law school, the City University of New York School of Law, um, the rankings of U.S. News and World's, World Reports just came out and of all uh, law schools. And CUNY Law School, the City University of New York, was voted number one. In, I want to make sure I have the title correct. CUNY Law School ranked number one for clinical education by U.S. News and World Report. That's like a that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I mean, this is this is national rankings, and uh, clinical uh, education means it's very hands-on. And it was like that when I went there. Um, you you like the very first semester. I don't know. We did a house closing. Uh, I went to people who were dying. Of uh, of AIDS, and I went to there, and I did their um, their wills. Uh, other people went into the Legal Aid Society and and worked in those offices. So it was a very hands on educational process. The downside, I'm going a little astray from my crying point, but the downside when you have that type of an educational uh, system is you're not really studying for the bar exam, and you can't be a lawyer unless you pass the bar exam. The bar exam is a two-day exam, unless you want to try to get into two different states. Then it's a three-day exam. It's usually a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, Tuesday was a, for me anyway, back in ancient times, but I don't think it's changed that much. It's changed a little, but Tuesday was all uh, essay work. And some, I think it was 100 multiple choice, 50 in the morning, 50 in the afternoon. And then uh, three essays in the morning and three essays in the afternoon. And they're, they're, it's New York State law. 
and you have to write essays uh, three in the morning, three in the afternoon on New York State law and the multiple choice on New York State law. Then you go home, you try to sleep, and I didn't, I didn't drink uh, during the period, basically from Memorial Day until we took the the bar exam, which was, I believe, it was July thirtieth, August first, and August second. It's amazing how thirty because it's thirty years this summer. You remember those dates? Uh, I did drink um, on July fourth. Uh, when I went down to the South Street Seaport and watched the um, watched the fireworks, and I did have a Budweiser Tall Boy the Tuesday night in between the night of the two tests just to calm myself and, and get to bed, and then the next day is a uh, multiple choice exams. Is it oh, two hundred in the morning? Or maybe it's one hundred fifty in the morning, one hundred fifty in the afternoon. It's a rough test, and then the third day I went to New Jersey and took the New Jersey bar exam, and then that night I. I literally partied like it was 1999 and it was only 1992, but we went nuts. And then just for, just for fun on the fourth day, my best friend in the whole world at the time, uh, kidnapped me, took me to a place where I couldn't escape and told me that after three years of us being best buddies, being in every class, partying, going nuts, he decided to tell me, um, Art, I'm gay. Yeah, that was fun. But that's a whole other show, and we can have a blast on that. But uh, and I and I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah, so what's the big deal? And we kind of moved on. Although he then told me all the lies he had told me over the last three years to conceal that. That part hurt. I didn't care that he was gay, but it hurt that he had told me lie after lie after lie. But in 1989, 90, 91, and 92, we lived in a society where we were not so comfortable coming out and telling people. Uh, about our sexual preferences. Um, I'm on the subway just a little while ago talking to the people from CUNY Law who are very excited. And I'm on the platform. And I happen to wind up on the place where if you have a stroller, there's that door. And from the outside, it's locked. But from the inside, you push it and it opens. Now, in the old days, if you pushed it, the alarm would go off. But the alarms are disabled now. So as I'm standing there on the phone, this tall, large, African-American man who wasn't well-dressed, but he was adequately dressed. And uh, he just looks at me and he goes, hey, could you do me a favor and just open the door? Which basically means I'm kind of acting in concert in committing the crime of theft of services. So, uh, but what did I do? I opened the door and I let him in. And after I do that, and I'm still on the phone, and I kind of just, I'm like, well, you know, what am I going to do? Give this guy a hard time. After I do that, that um, two, there's two police officers strolling down the, the, the um, platform. I didn't really think I was going to get in trouble, but I'm like, did they see him? Did they see what happened? And I think, you know, people who are literally just jumping the turnstile and just getting on the train without fear of any consequences, that adds to what Eric Adams was just talking about, which is... This, this this aggression cannot stand, quoting Big Lebowski, quoting George H.W. Bush. But it, the vibe, the aura of not, you know, of tolerating crime, as Rudy Giuliani said, there were only about two squeegee, 200 squeegee guys in the whole city of New York. But once Bill Bratton and Jack Maples and, and the mayor Giuliani took over, they cleaned those guys up and it changed the vibe of New York. That's what Eric Adams wants to do now. Stay tuned because we're going to have the great Alan Dershowitz come talk to us right after this. Mr. Rain. Mr. Rain. 
Speaking of great, let's talk about some great lawyers, Connors and Sullivan. Remember when you were in your teens and thought you were invincible? Alan Dershowitz still thinks and acts like he's in his teens. And you know what? The thing about Alan Dershowitz is he is invincible. Well, you know what? When you're healthy, you don't think you're going to need a power of attorney. You don't think you're going to need a health care proxy. You think, ah, I'll worry about that when I'm old and sick. But you know what, folks? Nothing can be further than the truth. The fact is, if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney, someone who you want to stand in your in, in your footsteps regarding a power of attorney or regarding a health care proxy to make medical decisions for you. Do you want the state courts to make those decisions? Do you want a doctor who doesn't even know your middle name to make those decisions for you? No. It's essential to create a power of attorney and a health care proxy as soon as you can when you're healthy. That's why I, Arthur Idala, want you to call Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law. They really know their stuff. They've been doing this for 40 years. They will help make, make a plan that protects you and your family best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. For a free in-person initial consultation with a lawyer, call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. so mysterious about our next guest but um before alan dershowitz comes on the line i want him to listen of what uh, the uh majority leader of the united states senate had to say about uh, clarence thomas first i do think he should recuse himself uh the information we know right now raises serious questions about how close justice thomas and his wife were to the planning and execution of the insurrection i think there should be uh, some kind of code of ethics for supreme court justices all right, Professor Dershowitz, so set it up for us. Tell us what uh, what uh, Senator Schumer is, of what he speaks. Well, he's absolutely right. Um, there is enough there for uh, any judge to recuse himself. The appearance of injustice when you have emails say saying, I've spoken to my best friend, and she has previously described, and he has previously described each other as best friends about this attempt to undo the election. I think the appearance of justice 
requires recusal. Now, if he were a circuit court judge or a district court judge, um, the rules would require recusal. And um, the Supreme Court claims it's above the law. So, Alan, uh, just to be fair, for the listeners who aren't too hip to this, just give them a little background on what we're talking about and what the scenario was here. Well, there are emails that have come out uh, from Justice Thomas's wife indicating that she was a a conspiratorial activist uh, undoing the election. It will destroy America. It's unfair. It was stolen, all of that kind of thing. I believe she was texting. I I believe she was texting the chief of staff to the president of the United States directly. Right. Right. Who himself subsequently hasn't taken that position. But in in, in any event, um, these were very strident emails. Now, you know, she's an individual, a human being. He's not responsible for her views. Um, On the other hand, um, she refers to having discussed it with him. And uh, the appearance of justice is such that I think he ought to recuse himself. Now, the more important issue is the Supreme Court ought to be bound by ethical rules. You know, people love to say no one's above the law. But, of course, everybody's above the law in government. The president is above the law. He can't be made to do certain things under executive privilege. The Senate, under the Constitution, can't be held responsible for things they say in the Senate. The judiciary has various immunities that other people don't normally have. And uh, the Supreme Court, as an institution, should be bound by the rules of ethics that bind other judges. And I would hope that um, Congress would pass such a law and the Supreme Court would uphold it. But they haven't done that up to now. So uh, we have a situation. I would hope also that he would recuse himself. You know, there's a possibility there could be five to four cases uh, involving uh, September, uh, sorry, January 6th. And I think it would not lend legitimacy to the court if he were to cast the deciding vote. Right. And there, the, the, Alan, there already was a case about whether these documents had to be sure. turned over. And it was eight to one. And he was the one who uh, dissented That's saying right. that. It, and that kind of stinks. Now, I, it's a little uh, a little quiz here. Who do you think says this? I'm quoting I do not believe my impartiality, my impartiality can reasonably be questioned. If it is reasonable to think that a Supreme Court justice can be bought so cheap, the nation is in deeper trouble than I had imagined, he wrote, referring to his hunting trip with the vice president of the United States. Scalia, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, look, but that was a very look, different had, set of that was in a very, as you know. Yeah. But I had an argument, with Justice Scalia, actually, about this. I thought he should have recused himself from the 2000 election case because his son was on the top of the list if uh, Bush were elected, as he was, to get a cabinet appointment. And uh, we argued about that. And he said, no, that it didn't affect his judgment at all. Uh, and reasonable people could disagree about that. And, uh, uh, you know, he may very well have been right about it. But, <clears throat> you know, you argue, you fight about this all the time. These are issues that should be resolved by rules. Right. And uh, but even, like but but Alan, system. even those rules. I mean, unfortunately, I don't have them right in front of me. I apologize. But those rules still give them any you know any judge a tremendous sure. amount of latitude and discretion. And you know, just to be clear, as you know, I'm always defending Uncle Nino. He wrote sure. a 21 page memorandum uh, about this and the the appearance of no, impropriety. And he put he, you know he put in there. Um, when we went hunting, it was quote unquote. Why would that result follow? 
from my being in a sizable group of persons in a hunting camp where I have I never hunted with him and I never had the opportunity to even have a private conversation with him, let alone discuss the case. He was right. But let me tell you a story about why Mike Tyson went to jail. Mike Tyson went to jail because of the judge uh, recusing himself. Here's the story. So the case was ultimately decided two to two in a five judge court with the chief justice recusing himself and the lower court opinion being upheld. If the chief justice hadn't recused himself, his prior opinions would have mandated that he vote for Tyson's release. Now, why did he recuse himself? He set it up. I was at a reunion of Yale Law School with my friend Pete Trachtenberg, who was then the president of George Washington University. And a woman comes over to me. I'm talking to Steve Trachtenberg. A woman comes over to me, taps me on the shoulder and says, uh, you know, uh, uh, New York rules don't apply in Indiana. I said, excuse me, ma'am, I'm talking to my friend. Who are you? And she said, I'm the wife of the chief justice of Indiana. And whatever you argue in New York, it doesn't work in Indiana. I said, excuse me, I cannot talk to you. I'm not going to respond to you. I cannot talk to you. Please, let's ter- terminate this conversation. That was it. Two days later, he recuses himself from the case. Having sent his wife over to do that wow. in order to get out of the case, total and complete corruption. And uh, that's the reason why. Well, that's Indiana. That's not New York City, uh, Alan. It would no, never happen no. in Brooklyn, let me tell you that. <laughs> Alan, before I, before I let you go, I, um, I, you know, the whole world, sadly or, or I don't know, weirdly, everyone's fascinated with Will Smith and Chris Rock. And I know you have an opinion on everything. So give me your opinion on the, that, that controversy. Well, first, you know, I met, I met Chris Rock. He came over to me once in Rockefeller Center and put his arm around me and said, uh, I'm a big fan. I didn't know who he was. And I got a picture with me. It went you, me sent, you sent it to me so I could verify <laughs> under oath that I have it in my phone right now. Right. Look, of course it was a crime. Uh, you can't walk over and slap somebody because they told the joke. And it also sent a terrible message to young people in America. Uh, we have enough of that you can't tell jokes. You can't say things that people disagree with. We live in a society that's constantly uh, cutting people off and not responding to bad speech with good speech. But nothing can be done. Nobody's going to prosecute him for it, particularly if... Uh, Chris Rock doesn't Rock want doesn't that. want to prosecute. Right. It's not going to happen. And if you were uh, if you were Will Smith's lawyer, you'd get him off in, in a second. While we're talking about crime, though, can I make an admission that I once jumped, jumped the subway? Uh, in effect, when I was... I heard your previous uh, segment. When I was seven or eight years old, my uncle took me to a Brooklyn Dodger game, and after about four innings, the game got ringed out, and we rushed to the subway, and my uncle only had one dime. And we, it, it was one of these things where you went into a little booth and it went around in a circle. And the two of us snuck in together, we hugged together, and, and, and therefore we got onto the subway paying only one fare rather than two. As soon as he got home, literally as soon as he got home, my uncle put a dime in a, an envelope and sent it to the transit department because yeah. he was so upset well, that he had cheated the transit department out of a dime. Alan, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the guy who I led through the, the turnstile today, he's not putting $2.75 in an envelope. By the way, Alan, I, I think you might get mad at me here, but I know you also committed an assault in the third degree, which is a misdemeanor assault, uh, a couple of years ago uh, by around the taxi cab uh, in defense of your uh, your son. Is that accurate? Oh, I had an absolute defense. I had an absolute defense. The guy came out uh, after my son started swinging his fist at his head, 
and I beat him to it and punched him in the mouth, knocked his glasses off, and he ran away. And my son yelled out, you're Batman! Uh, he was like, you know, about 78 years old at the time, and my hand still hurts from that blow. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it. I bravely defended my son, and the guy ran away. Well, you know, Alan, one of my friends is, is, is my friend Christine. She's actually listening on the radio right now, and uh, she heard the segment about the subways, and she has beautiful, two beautiful daughters and a beautiful son, and I, I know especially her son, who's at Fordham University, is on the subway all the time, and you know, everyone is nervous and everyone is scared, and I know, I know for a fact that, that uh, Eric Adams is, is, I think at this point he's getting a little frustrated. He may have been a little naive, like he was just going to come in and I'm a new mayor and everyone is going to be a law-abiding citizen. Uh, if you were going to sit down, as you've had with, I know, with President Clinton and President Obama, if you were going to have a sit down with President, uh, with President, well, I know he wants to be president, but with Mayor Adams, what would, what would new, true blue New Yorker, Brooklynite, uh, living in the city, uh, Alan Dershowitz, what advice would you give to a brand well, new mayor, Eric Adams? One thing which would cost money, but it's been done in other parts of the world in uh, urban centers, is to have plastic barriers that you can't shove somebody on a on a railroad track. It's a plastic barrier, and it opens up only when the train comes in. And because uh, a lot of people today aren't going in the subway because they're scared of the crazy person who is going to uh, uh, push them on the track. Second, what I would do is I would better facilities for mentally ill homeless people. They are the source of many of these crimes. Uh, they're people who 50 years ago would have been locked up in the mental hospitals. Today, of course, with deinstitutionalization, there's, been, there's no alternative. They're right on the street. They're not uh, safe. They're not safe. They're, they don't keep us safe. And I think that's a step that could... But, Alan, those laws, those laws make it so difficult... Uh, you know, a police officer has to believe that someone is going to be you know, you know, in imminent harm to themselves or others, and then they could only hold yeah. them for 72 hours. Uh, yeah, I know. So, you know, yeah, yes, I, it would be great if they have these facilities. Look, Eric Adams announced there's 2,500 vacant apartments for homeless people, and we can't figure out how to get them off the street and into these apartments. Well, We're paying for them. The accommodations are there. That's important. Uh, I'll give you one one more story. So, I was uh, a first-year uh, professor at Harvard Law School with no money in the bank, and the, the attorney not, general— Not, much, is, not much has changed in 60 years. Huh? Right. <laughs> so we, they called me on the phone, and they said, uh, we'd like you to help revise our mental health laws because of these problems. And he went over the problems. And I said, I, you know, I'd never taken a case before. I'd never been. He said, uh, and we'll pay you uh, to do it. We'll pay you 75 an hour. I said, no, absolutely not. When I was babysitting, I was making a buck and a half an hour. I'm not taking 75 cents an hour to do that. And he said, no, $75. I said, look, you're going to pay me $75? My father didn't make $75 in a week, and you're going to pay me $75? It's amazing what that... Well, it's amazing what that Harvard salary could do for you. That Harvard, I should say... that well, I'm looking at all these pictures and all this stuff about Will Smith. You know, there is that part of me, and Alan, I know you have that that portion of empathy or that degree of empathy where I do. I I think he was totally wrong. He couldn't have been any more wrong. But I feel bad for Will Smith because he he he's such a great actor. He upstaged himself. He stole his own moment. The moment he's probably well, he been dreaming of. 
Yeah, and he stole Vanessa and Sabrina. You know, he stole the two Williams girls, a uh, women, right. women moment. Uh, this was supposed to be a moment for them as well. And, uh, you know, it's just it was an impulse control issue. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he wrote a, uh, a scathing piece today and basically condemning him and how he hurt uh, the the black culture. This was the Black Academy Awards, and there were so many African Americans who were who were being. You know, the, look, Questlove from Jimmy Fallon show won the documentary award right after the whole slapping incident took place. Nobody, nobody even remembers that. that. No one even knows that. Yeah. And I mean, Kareem really, really took him down. And then um, yeah. Jim Carrey just attacked all of Hollywood and said the fact that you guys gave him a standing ovation. After he committed this violent act, he just shows you what losers we are. What do you say? And that we're not the we are not the we are not in the cool club anymore. So it, yeah. this is a story that has has tremendous legs, and it just popped up right now on the post that he's already uh, in a movie now. Will Smith that's going to come out, and even if he does a great job, the Academy will no no longer like acknowledge him because of what took place. So if Will Smith calls Alan Dershowitz tomorrow, what is, what do you tell him? <laughs> Low, be quiet. Uh, low, lie, lie low for six months. Um, give a lot of charity. Uh, do a lot of good things and um, lecture people about not using violence. You got to regain and restore your reputation. Look, I saw the movie last night. I thought it was very good. I thought he was a great actor, and I thought he deserved. Uh, the Academy Award. I mean, so did a number of other people. I mean, the, the, the actors that were up to the award were phenomenal, uh, so many of them. Uh, but I think it was not it was not wrong to give it to him. Uh, and, you, you know, the Academy couldn't change it in the 30 minutes or 40 minutes that they had. No, of course. Not. And, and, and Alan, I'm, I'm, I, standing ovation, I agree with you. I know I'm yeah. keep, I know I'm keeping you a little long, but I, I also <laughs> saw I also saw um, I think it's in the wash. Uh, the L.A. Times. They said if it was a uh, if it was Chris Rock and it was Woody Harrelson who went up there and smacked him or Jim Carrey <laughs> or, or, or a, a Caucasian who went up and smacked yeah. a black man in the face, they said everyone in that audience would have stood up and said he can't win the award, he can't do this. And that's, that's a real sad commentary on uh, you know, where we are as a society in 2022. Yeah, and, and you know, race matters, obviously, and the Academy uh, has been slow in recognizing uh, African-American directors and uh, some African-American actors and and screenwriters, and I'm, I'm glad more are getting recognition now. And, uh, you know, I think Will Smith set back a, a lot of that progress. But I'm hoping it was just it was just an incident and it will pass. And, uh, look, I'm, I'm mad at Hollywood in general because they are such knee-jerk radicals sometimes on so many things. I know from my experience on Martha's Vineyard where the, the Hollywood crowd just uh, – uh, is to the left of you name it, and uh, intolerant and unwilling to listen, uh, you know, Larry David and all of that. So I'm not happy about Hollywood, but... Uh, well, uh, you, you, got to found out, you got to find out who your real friends are, I guess, at uh, 80 years old, huh, Alan? And, and you're one of them. So well, I and I, I'm proud to have that title. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Alan Dershowitz, thanks for taking so much time, Alan. You're the best, you. and I love speaking with you. You too. We'll you talk too. soon. All right, so that was Professor Dershowitz on a whole bunch of different topics. Um, so it's 6.35, New York City, Tuesday evening. 
Uh, I got to tell you, it's a lot easier doing this show when you don't do four hours of radio in the morning uh, on the same day. We're going to take a quick break. I'm looking in the beautiful red hair of Joe Sibelia, who's gracing us with his presence today. And um, I, I don't know. I'm excited to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more. Eric Adams, we're going to talk about alcohol and how much you can drink and what you can't drink. That's an important one. And I'm sure I'll find some interesting stuff to talk about. Maybe even about Taylor Swift. Ciao. Empire State Bank. I love the Empire State. And what better name for a bank than Empire State Bank? And because they know that people like Christine and Emilio Grillo, who are lawyers, and Dave Spring, who's a lawyer, that they listen to this show, they designed an attorney advantage banking program specializing in helping lawyers and lawyers who especially have to handle clients money that is not their own because we took an oath that we have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that those those funds are handled properly empire state banks iola escrow account management is built for attorneys and law firms to make sure when we manage client funds we do it the right way you get one master checking account with unlimited sub accounts for each client allowing you to keep clients funds separate from your own you can allocate account interest generate reports disperse funds generate year and tax preparation and your funds are safe you know why you know why because empire state bank provides fdic insurance greater than two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which other banks provide open an iola checking account and take your law firm to the next level with attorney advantage banking exclusively at empire state banks locations in brooklyn staten island and queens call empire state bank today at 833 833- 393-7700-833-393-7700 or visit esbna.com member FDIC equal housing lender Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Listen this Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon for the Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman Springtime Special. Right now, email your questions about real estate to Dottie at DottieHerman.com. And listen this Saturday morning to hear the answer on the answer. That's Dottie at DottieHerman.com. Join us for the Salem Business Breakfast, Wednesday, April 27th at Bergen Community College. Register at am970theanswer.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. News. Opinion. Passion. This is AM970. The Answer. 36 degrees. We have generally clear skies on this nice Tuesday evening. What's going on? We have the answer. 
Well, unvaccinated fired municipal workers are calling on Mayor Eric Adams to give them their jobs back. They rallied today in Queens, and let's get more on the rally from Scott Pringle. Unvaccinated workers, elected officials, and union leaders gathered in Queens to call on Mayor Eric Adams to lift the coronavirus vaccine mandate for all workers. Firefighter Maurice Wiggin was fired in February for refusing to get the shot. He wants his job back, and he's not happy. Mayor Adams just lifted the mandate for pro athletes and performers. What makes our craft less valuable than entertainers? Do we not deserve the same dignity and decency as our entertainers? The mayor mainly cites economic reasons for exempting pro athletes and performers from the mandate. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New York. New Jersey Transit is partnering with the New Jersey Institute of Technology for an inaugural training course. It'll be a first-of-its-kind project management professional certification exam prep course. The first class of 10 New Jersey Transit employees participated in classes at night and on select Saturdays for nine weeks to complete the classroom section of the program. They are now eligible to apply for the project management professional exam that officials say will be a key factor in continuing to improve project execution. Taking a look at the traffic across the Hudson, if you're going back to New Jersey at the Holland Tunnel, about a 15 to 20 minute wait, 5 to 10 on the city-bound side from the Turnpike, more like 20 minutes from 1 and 9, 5 to 10 minutes each way at the Lincoln Tunnel, George Washington Bridge, a pretty good ride. In New Jersey, we're looking at some delays on the Parkway southbound coming down towards exit 140, northbound into 145. Turnpike's actually not bad, but the westbound bay extension's jammed up from 14C right across to the Bay Bridge with an accident. Clear skies tonight, overnight low dipping to 29. Cloudy with some rain possible in the afternoon tomorrow, high 47. Cloudy with showers and storms around in the afternoon on Thursday, high 67. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. Eight eight. New York City's first and only life plan community, River's Edge, will soon be built on a 32-acre campus along the Hudson River just minutes away from Grand Central and Riverdale. River's Edge, a community for adults ages 62 and up, provides peace of mind knowing that if your health changes, your needs can be met seamlessly right where you live. You have a life plan with easy access to uninterrupted on-site care at no additional cost, no matter how your needs change. River's Edge, your plan for calm. Call 844-55-RIVER. That's 844-55-RIVER or visit riversedge.org. We all know woke activists have poisoned our universities and public schools, but did you know they're poisoning corporate America too? Especially human resource departments responsible for hiring and promotions. American Express is one of them. Their 2021 Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Report essentially said it would hire and promote employees based on race and gender. They're even disavowing capitalism. It all sounds pretty un-American for American Express. In fact, the company should change their name to Un-American Express because there's nothing American about the way they're doing business. A new group staffed by young folks who represent the true diversity of America, Color Us United, is taking the fight to American Express leadership with the simple message, choose woke values or American values. It's impossible to choose both. To become part of this fight, go to unamericanexpress.com. American Express has heard from woke America. It's time they heard from us. Go to unamericanexpress.com now. 
If there is to be a great awakening in this country, it will come through an understanding of God's revealed word. Pastor Melissa Scott, Ph.D., teaches God's word every Sunday morning at 11 from Faith Center in Glendale, California. Attend the live service by calling 1-800-338-3030 to make your reservations or watch the live streams 24-7 at understandthebible.com. That's 1-800-338-3030. Come to church this Sunday. Call 1-800-338-3030. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. murder but unfortunately we're speaking about it a lot these days uh when i started in the brooklyn district attorney's office in 1993 uh i was blessed and i don't use that term lightly okay i'll go with quite fortunate to be assigned to a senior prosecutor who i think was about 16 months my senior but he'd been there longer than i was uh his name was emilio grillo and uh, he was smart enough to marry a woman by the name of Christine Mandola, who is now Christine Grillo. And they were both prosecutors uh, with me in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. And I am very lucky to have them both on the phone right now. To Let's talk a little bit about crime in the city, because uh, before they are lawyers and even maybe before their husband and wife, they are loving and caring parents to three uh, beautiful children. And I want to say hi, Christine. Hi, Emilio. Hi, Emilio. It's good to hear your voice. Arthur, good evening, my friend. Good evening. So, Christine, I want to start with you because you're the mom and you're the one who's concerned and and texted me after hearing the segments. What are your thoughts? I mean, you were a crime fighter for a long time. You were in the office longer than Emilio and I, maybe longer than Emilio and I put together. Uh, I think you were longer than Emilio and I put together. So, you know, tell us your thoughts As as a prosecutor, as a crime fighter, and as a mom. You know, where are we and where do we need to go? Well, we watched it happen. When we were there and we were commuting early on in the 90s, we watched the change happen. We watched those low-level crimes get prosecuted. And what do you call them, Emilio? You always call it the broken windows. The broken windows. We watched watched the broken window policy really at work. And when we first started to commute, things were not safe and you didn't feel safe. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over time, you really did feel okay. You really did feel safe. And and it, it it was a sense of security you had when you were down in the subway that just doesn't exist anymore ever since Mayor de Blasio did away with it, ever since we stopped taking those those little crimes seriously, it's like you said, Arthur, that nobody takes it anything serious. They have no problem jumping the turnstile. They have no problem thinking that it's the Wild West in the subway and they can do whatever they want. And, so, and to, now as a parent, yes. Yeah. So to your, to your point, Christine, there was, there was a point 
not that long ago. And I will say, though, it was in the beginning of the de Blasio administration, and that may have just been, the, you know, after 20 years of, of, of Rudy and Bloomberg, you know, he just may have just been the beneficiary of that. But where the safest place in the city was actually the subways. Statistically speaking, you were less likely to get assaulted or robbed in underground than you were overground. But one point that you, you, you just said and you corrected yourself, and I think this is where Mayor Adams and the whole city, you said, you know, when you were riding the subways, it was dangerous. And then all of a sudden, and then you corrected yourself, well, not all of a sudden. And I think that's the frustration mm-hmm. that Mayor Adams has right now is I think, look, his ego's got to be riding high, right? He he won this election. He's been lauded all over the place. He's at nightclubs. He's at breakfast meetings. He's working his tail off. And I think he thought he was going to come in and it was going to be like a light switch. And, oh, Eric Adams is in. We all better, you know, not fight crime. I mean, not break the law because he's going to be here. And um, it, it, it to your point, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a little bit of time. No, but it's but at least he's there, and and you know what? I I am hopeful because he is law and order, and and that's what Emilio and I we've always it's law and order, and that's what we need to bring back in the city because it is frightening to be out in the suburbs now, and and now my kids commute, and my son's in Fordham, he's on the subway. He's told me a number of times of the encounters he's had on the subway platform where they people brazenly walk up to him, hey, give me your phone now. I mean, this is this is what's happening. And that's, yeah, that's that's so that's scary. I just just listen, Emilio, real quick, just listen to what the mayor said. Yeah. You know, people are pushing back on me. You know, oh, there goes that mean po-po police officer Eric again. Uh, so what? <laughs> Call me what you want. We're gonna be safe. So that's that was today. I mean, that's the mayor's feeling today. And you know, I think his voice and his leadership really matters. Emilio, take it away. I agree. He's completely well-intentioned. I think he's got the re- he's got the requisite skill set that's unprecedented. I think for what we need in the city. Um, and so, looking at him, you know, I think the city's going to you know get behind him eventually in time. But you know, we're looking at undoing you know eight years of, of a different different administration and eight eight years of you know combating crime a very very different way so we're very happy that he's the mayor obviously and i think you know with time as both you and christine point out with time we'll get there it's just you know it is frustrating and you see these quality of life crimes going on every you know the, the newspapers report on it constantly and as, as they should but it is difficult and uh you know from an employment standpoint getting people to come back into the office too is a bit of a challenge well amelia you run you know you're in charge of a big law firm here in the city i what's what's the policy of your law firm about people coming back well we we're taking we've taken somewhat of a staggered um view of things in that if to the extent that we get people to come back we're encouraging people to come back we're not making it a mandate per se but to the extent that if people can come to come to work as long as you can be be productive you know we're we're, we're basically allowing a staggered work schedule for people, you know, and so in the end, it's a win-win for everyone, but ultimately with the emphasis on safety and making sure that people remain safe and then get to work. But, and, and okay, so Emilio, here's, here's, here's why I'm going to call it BS a little bit, not, and obviously that's not you, but they just came out, and, and Eric Adams was the one who told me this, there is more subway ridership on the weekends and the evenings than during rush hour right now, which is unprecedented, because... People are saying, oh, I don't feel safe coming to work 
but I'll go and be one of the 19,000 people at the Billy Joel concert. I'll go and be one of the 16,000 people at the Sebastian Maniscalco concert. But to go sit in my office with a closed door and a law firm in Manhattan, no, I'm really not comfortable. I'm going to work from home. Listen, Joe Hines, Joe Petrosino, they would have never tolerated that. What they would do is they would have they would have said to Christine, you're a mom, you're raising children. If you want to have a staggered schedule or a special schedule, that's fine. That's motherhood. That's important. We're going to acknowledge that and we're going to accommodate that. But this, oh, I, oh, I, you know, oh, I'm afraid two years later after, you know, you got all these booster shots and many of us had it already. If, you, if you're going to stay inside all the time and be consistent, that's fine. But if you're going to say, no, I'm not going to go to work, but I'm going to go to Madison Square Garden where I don't have to wear a mask and be surrounded by 19,000 people. I'm calling I'm calling BS on that, Mr. Grillo. Yeah, but some of them but some of them are saying that the reason why they don't feel safe is because they don't feel safe traveling on the subways. Yet when they're going to the high um, volume events, there's safety in numbers. So they're playing both sides of the coin. Look, I agree with you. I call bullshit on a BS on it. <laughs> at, at, I call BS on it. At some point, too. But there are legitimate fears out there. You have to respect them. But I do think that people are feeling unsafe during the week because the ridership is so low. It's sort of like a vicious cycle. People aren't going in. It's, it's, it's not, it, there's not power in numbers and, and subway riders, so people are feeling unsafe. When I talk to the girls and they're commuting into the city, they tell me what, they're, what, what they do, and they stay against the wall, and they stay like there's a whole thing of safety they have to follow now that we just didn't have. Listen, I, I, um, I was on the subway an hour ago, and, and I know you, you, know, you guys, uh, Emilio, you, you ride the subway as well. And when Eric Gonzalez, someone all three of us know well, told me a long time ago, if we lose the subway, we lose the city. And Eric Adams knows yep. that. And look, they were, I talked about a guy jumping the turnstile. To, well, I helped him jump the turnstile. Um, yeah, he did. He but, did. I but, know a good lawyer if you need the, one. Thank you. I, he's sitting next to you in the car. But um, the uh, and or you could just look in the mirror. Uh, but, uh, you know, but the, there were two police officers. They stayed on the platform. They looked in in the car because I let two trains pass me by. They looked in the windows uh, to make sure of the cars to make sure, you know, people saw them and they were safe. But um, before I let you go, Christine, I just want to thank you because, first of all, besides calling in and sharing your insight with us. But uh, this is about my 80th show. You know, I'm a very much a rookie on this. And I had a young German woman on on Friday, and now you in my like two my Friday show and my Monday show. It's twice now that the engineer had to hit the dump button because she said a bad word on Friday and you said a bad word today. <laughs> so I am so excited that we have a little grit on the Author Idola Power Hour on AM nine seventy The Answer, and you know it's keeping it real. That's why Christine was a real prosecutor, tried dozens and dozens of cases victoriously because, as gorgeous as she is. Uh, and as stunning as she comes off when she's standing in front of a jury, she was always able to relate to the jury because she would just curse in the courtroom as much as Judge Delory right. would allow her to. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, grit is good. Grit is good. <laughs> grit is good. Arthur, man, wish you, to, Arthur. Thanks for having us on. We love you. We love you, buddy. All right, keep up the great work, the both of you, ladies and gentlemen. That's Emilio and Christine Grillo. Those are two great New Yorkers uh, who who literally. People like them bring so much to our city, so much to our society, and they just make the place a better place, that makes the city a better place. That's why I'm not going to Florida, man. That ain't me. I ain't going to Florida. Um, Joe Sibilia. So Yes, sir. I, they just came out. I, I'm reading this in the New York Times. Ready? Um, 
Last week, two patients asked Dr. Stanley Hayes and a cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic, a very prestigious clinic, how much daily alcohol consumption would be good for their cardiac health. Just in case you don't know, that means the heart. Yes. yes okay, I'm sure. That's right. He gave them both well-accepted medical advice. An average of about one drink a day helps the heart. Yeah. Not only does it hurt, it helps the heart. And then the doctors quoted, I didn't give it a second thought. He then saw a paper published in JAMA, Network Open. What's that, Dan? I asked you what it is. I, mean, uh, I, I think it's part of the qu- American Medical Association yeah, or something. It's a, but let's put it this way. It's a legitimate publication. Yes. It's yes. not like the Sam Bolin Sibelia Association yeah, exactly. of Cardiology. Yeah, yeah. It's like legit. And he said, after he read the paper, it totally changes my life. My life. Its conclusion, hold on to your seat, Padre Lou. Uh, twirl your mustache because you're not going to like this. There is no level of drinking that does not confer heart disease risk. Now, it's just risk. The risk is small if people have an average of seven drinks a week when compared with none. But it increases quickly as the level of alcohol consumption rises. Dose matters a lot. Just realize that as you go up beyond modest ranges, the risk goes up quite a bit. Oh. No. So I, I can hear my Mike and hear Padre Lou right now. Hey, uh, come on! I'm gonna be 84 years old. You think you think I'm worried now? But hey, I'm gonna don't wine. Hey, two glasses of wine. Come on, everyone in Italy, in France, look at <laughs> it. Yeah, everything in moderation. I'm not telling you to put down a whole bottle. Okay, you have you have, you gotta have a plate of pasta, a little olive oil, maybe some fish. Okay, not not a big big huge plate of pasta. You know, a reasonable portion. Nice piece of fish, glass of red wine. Come on. Don't, don't believe you. you can believe all these dogs. Oh, it is going to kill you. You wouldn't do anything. You'd live in a box if that's what they made you. That's a pretty good imitation. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty good, good imitation of my dad. Um, so, Sibelia, how is this study going to affect your drinking, your personal alcoholic consumption? It, it won't affect me at all because in the first place, as you know, I really don't drink. I very occasionally will have a drink. And even if I were to order a beer, maybe i drink half of the beer. But you know what? Anything... Is it can end up being bad for your health. I watched this autopsy show, and they did one on Desi Arnaz, for example, and they conferred and they came to the conclusion that it was canary uh, droppings that led to him getting cancer when he was older. So the bottom line is everything in this world ends up being some kind of a carcinogen, so you just have to live life for the moment and do things well, in moderation. As, as, I was going to say, as Padre says, you do it in moderation. I said, Dad, you got to take vitamins? What are you going to take vitamins for? I eat broccoli rub. I eat this. I eat this. You have a little calves liver. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I, the, the bottom line is if Noah Broadbart d- adheres to this new uh, drinking situation, Johnny Walker's out of business. Yeah. They're, they're done. They just they can fold up shop. Cause, uh, <laughs> now, I'm only joking, Noah. We love you. So this was a fun show with the friends of Arthur Idala, Alan Dershowitz, Emilio Grillo, Christine Grillo, Noah Broadbord, Joe Sibilia, Joni Pelzer, and Matt Sambolin. See you tomorrow. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.